welcome back to Passions Podcast. I'm Latara. I'm Laura. And this is a podcast where we talk about passions, the soap opera. The beautiful soap opera fashion. And all of the beautiful people in it. The gorgeous people in it. The ugliest person on this show is Julian. Yeah. And I think most of that's because personality. It's mostly personality, but he also is just like, he's not that great looking. He's just an older gentleman. And I'm not into that. I mean, I kind of am into like older, distinguished gentlemen, but uh, yeah, no, no Mm. thanks. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, thanks. All right, so today we're talking about episodes 79 and 80. Oh my God, I can't believe it. And uh, this is episode 44 of the podcast. Correct. Ooh, we're really doing it. Really doing it. We are. So let's get started. I think we should start at the Crane Mansion. I absolutely agree. We must start at the Crane Mansion. The crane At the Crane Mansion, we open on a scene of... Gwen waking up and talking to Ethan, who is sitting on the edge of the bed. He s- stares at her until she wakes up. I hate that. In like movies and TV, there's a thing where like the woman is asleep and the man is just like sitting there staring at her. And then she wakes up. Oh, good morning. It's so lovely to see you. H- have you? Has that ever happened to you? That happened to me one time. And I looked at my boyfriend. And I said, can I help you? Yeah. No, it's so <laughs> weird. And he was like, sorry, I just woke up. And was like, he was like in the process of waking up. But like, I thought that he was like staring at me. And it was like, it almost was a problem. You remember that guy I was seeing that was, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Can I say his name? No. We called him Shame. Shames. <laughs> we called him my Shames. We called him my Shame. Anyway. <laughs> And just be like looking at me. I'll wake up, like, and I literally was like, What? <laughs> wake up, like, what? And he's like, I'm just memorizing your face. Get the fuck out of here. Get oh out of here. I just threw up. Get the fuck out of here. I'm memorizing your face. I'm just memorizing your face. Oh, shut Is he gonna draw your portrait? Like, take a picture. It'll last longer. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't take a photo of me while I'm sleeping. While I sleep? Yeah, it was just weird. Anyway. Ethan is doing that weird thing. Ethan's doing that Staring weird at Gwen thing. while she sleeps. She wakes up and um, she asks him, you know, Ethan, are you going to leave me for Teresa? Do you love her? And he looks at her and goes, I'm sorry, Gwen. And then Teresa walks in in a black dress and he sweeps Teresa off of her literal feet yep. and walks through the... The door, that's um, what the I bedroom door. That's what I wrote. He comes in and literally sweeps Teresa off of her feet. Yeah. And then Gwen wakes up. Because <laughs> obviously this is a nightmare. Yeah, this is her, her Clearly. bad dream. She's yeah. just having a bad dream. And then Ethan really does come in with breakfast in bed, which sets her off immediately. Like her suspicions rise because she's like, whenever my dad does something wrong and he feels guilty, he brings my mom breakfast in bed. And this is exactly what's going on. So why don't you just tell me the truth? Like, talk straight with me, Ethan. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, did you do anything last night that, that's got you feeling guilty? Really tell me how you really feel about Teresa and all of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And he again explains to her, he really is just completely emotionally stupid. Underdeveloped? Yeah, dumb and stupid because he, of course, of course she's feeling insecure. 
Yes, of course she is. And she already explained to him why she's feeling insecure. And he, instead of really apologizing or saying, I see where you're coming from Mm -hmm. or that you've given me a lot to think about or like acknowledging her feelings in any way, he tells her that her feelings are ridiculous. Yeah. Which is pro tip, gentlemen, the worst thing you could say to your partner. Yeah. Like, I hear what you're saying. I'm ignoring what you're saying. And I'm telling you that you are a ridiculous person for feeling the way you feel. Right. Because regardless of what you did or didn't do with Teresa, it looks bad. Like, at the very least, it looks bad. And it makes sense that Gwen would be a little uncomfortable with it. And she, again, has told you multiple times, this girl's out for you. This girl loves you. And he's just, like, not hearing her. And... Gwen's not helping herself to be honest. She's not. She's She's not not. helping herself because if you really have been in love with Ethan and you know Ethan well enough to know, because we know Ethan well enough to know that he means well right now. Mm -hmm. Like we really do. Yeah. And you're really in love with him. You should at least know that much and know that he's telling you the truth. Yeah. And that he's not smart enough to get over on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can catch him in whatever act. And so you're really just you're pushing him away you're pushing him towards Teresa yeah and and yeah and you're and and you're right I'm not saying that Gwen is right and Ethan is wrong no they're I'm both saying they're both handling it really poorly yeah I agree so yeah he agree uh, again explains there's nothing going on between me and Teresa and you know this is silly and it wasn't a date it was my mother's idea we had to be there. Yeah. You know, the end. End discussion. And so he goes downstairs because he's kind of fed up with yeah, the whole thing. Gwen's not buying it. She's fed up with him. She storms off into the bathroom and he goes downstairs. Yeah. He goes downstairs where he meets Julian. Good and God. this was disgusting. He has a conversation with Julian and Julian asks him what is how his night was. And he's like, it was, it was fine. And then Julian's like, I mean, with the housekeeper's daughter. Yeah, and Ethan is like, what do you mean? It was fine. Like, what are you you insinuating? And Julian's like, come on. Like, I don't even want to talk about what they said because it's so (laughs) fucking disgusting. But basically, he's like, come on, she's beautiful. Surely you've noticed that hot little body and, like, all these horrible things. And Ethan's like, I don't have a sexual relationship with Teresa. I don't have any kind of relationship with Teresa. Uh, Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Julian says, if you haven't taken her to bed yet, You have to admit you've thought about it. Mm -hmm. And he also goes, what's wrong with you, Ethan? Like, because something must be wrong with Ethan that he doesn't want to have sex with, like, this 17-year-old girl. She's going to have to be Julian's granddaughter. For sure. And he's over here talking about taking her to bed. It's disgusting. Yeah. And he asks her, what the hell is wrong with you? Why wouldn't you want to bed the girl? And all of this is happening, and Gwen is standing right outside of the living room listening in. She, yeah. She's overhearing all of this. Mm-hmm. And Ethan stands up to Julian and says, I am not attracted to Teresa in that way. We don't have a sexual relationship. And also, I would never betray Gwen. I love her. And that's when Gwen, like, is, she feels a little bit more secure, I think. Mm, definitely. I think... Um, because she wasn't in the room she feels like he's telling the truth even Mm -hmm. though it's like exactly the same thing he was telling her upstairs yeah and uh, she comes in she's like well thank you ethan and julian is you know caught kind of talking shit 
And but he doesn't really take responsibility. He Julian looks at Gwen and says, Oh, Gwen, you know I meant nothing by it. You're a woman of the world. You understand how these things work. And puts his hand, his arm around her. Yeah, and he's like, you're a big girl. You understand the ways of the world. And then she's so grossed out by all the things. Because we're not even saying all the stuff. He was saying a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I was, couldn't even write it all down. It was despicable. And she's so disgusted by him that she, like, recoils. She pulls his arm off of her and pulls away. She's like, it sounds like you're trying to get my boyfriend to cheat on me. Yeah. And he's like, well... Yeah, she's like, so he's like... He's like, you would be glad if he goes ahead and does it now instead of after y'all get married. Oh, my God. And what so then the they fuck? have this whole conversation. What the hell is happening? So then they have this whole conversation, and... uh I think for the rest of this, we actually need to go to the Lopez Fitzgerald Fitzgerald house. So let's go, let's go talk about Teresa. Let's talk, let's talk about Teresa. It's getting to the point where it's not fun. Oh, it's fun for me. It's getting to the point where I'm very concerned for her well-being. I'm not, no, I'm not concerned for her well-being. I don't know. She, okay, let's talk about. Let's talk about this. So it's yeah. the next morning. Teresa has has awoken. She's looking at her dress and she's reminiscing about the night before. And she she hugs the dress to her and says, "I am Cinderella, and you are my prince." Yeah. And Pilar and Whitney are standing in the doorway and see the whole thing happen. Yeah, Pilar and Whitney and and Whitney comes in saying, "What are you doing?" And then Pilar's like, "Teresa." Ethan will never return your love. Oh. And then Teresa says he proposed uh, to her. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She says, oh, really? Then why did he propose to me? They're like, wait, what? And then she has to explain, well, he basically proposed. He said that poor people and rich people will be together if their love is true. Yeah. She said, <laughs> he, she's like, he actually said if two people love each other they'll find a way to be together girl that's not a pro-. and literally Pilar was like that doesn't sound like a proposal to me yeah she's like that's hardly a marriage proposal today yeah <laughs> it, oh Teresa he proposed Mm-mm. what what a claim to make wildly <laughs> inaccurate <laughs> what a claim wildly so then she tells them about her daring escape from the opera house mm-hmm. and how Louise saw her there. And, of course, this worries Pilar. She's like, wait, what? He saw you? Yeah. And then she spins this story as if Ethan did all of these things for her because he loves her so much. And, I mean, I think he just did it because that's what a friend would do. Like, I'm going to yeah. cover for you. Yeah. You know? And so she she mentions that the only reason Louise believed it was because Gwen happened to show up and pretended to be Ethan's date. And then Pilar and Whitney both are like, poor Gwen. <laughs> and this is the part that makes me makes me go, Teresa, like, I'm a, I'm afraid for you. This isn't fun. Because her mother and her best friend say, look, what you're doing really isn't right. Ethan is committed to somebody else. His intentions are clear, and you really need to consider the other person in this situation, which is Gwen. And the fact that you would treat another woman like this really isn't fair and is really, you should feel bad and you should feel embarrassed about it. And she turns on them so fast. She took it very personally. 
Because Whitney and Pilar both kind of ask after Gwen. They're like, well, how was Gwen? She must have been really hurt and, you know, confused by that. Mm -hmm. And Pilar says, you know, Gwen has loved Ethan since she was a little girl. She thinks of him as hers. And Teresa counters with, Mama, I've also loved Ethan since I was a little girl. Well, and she, so she, yeah, she takes it all very personally. Mm -hmm. And she says, I can't believe my mother and my best friend are more worried about Gwen than me. Um, why should we be? I mean, we are very worried about you. We're all very concerned, Teresa. Mm, yeah, we're very concerned. <laughs> we're all very concerned. And Pilar then counters saying, sweetie, you are my whole life. I, you mean everything to me. You are my passion and, for life. You are my passion for life. And I, but I know if you persist in this fantasy, you're going to get hurt. And Teresa again tells, oh, this is good. Teresa again tells them that they are wrong and that she fit right in at the uh, opera house and that she was Cinderella and that Ethan was her prince. She says that to them. She says it out loud. And Pilar's like, I have to go to work. I can't do well, it. Well, before, before <laughs> Pilar says she has to go to work, oh. Teresa says, would you have ever thought that I would have been able to go to a ballet dressed in diamonds and a, a designer dress and I would have been Ethan Crane's um, date to the ballet? If I told you that, that that was happening to me, would you think that was true? And they said, she was like, no, you wouldn't. You would have said it was impossible. But I just proved that nothing is impossible. And my question is, did the writers of Passions do that Cinderella reference on purpose? impossible yeah, probably for a not. plain yellow pumpkin to become a golden carriage impossible, impossible for oh i did it wrong a plain country pumpkin, pumpkin and a prince to join in marriage oh, yeah i did and it wrong away mice will never be full white horses such vulgar olympic lady of course maybe they do i don't know i, I don't know but it i was like i definitely clocked it and she said impossible, impossible like a bunch of times yeah anyway so then pilar's like look i gotta go to work Maybe you can talk some sense into her, Whitney. Mm -hmm. And she just bounces out. And then Teresa and Whitney proceed to have the same conversation they have had for the last 75 episodes with a new layer. The, yeah, the new twist on this is that uh, A, Gwen, mm -hmm. and B, Whitney presses Teresa and says, look, if you know you love Ethan, why haven't you actually told it to his face? And Teresa's like, well, I've tried. And Whitney's like, no, you half-ass tried. Tell him how you feel. If you feel, if you are so secure and so strong in your convictions, why won't you tell him how you feel mm -hmm. and, and deal with what his, whatever his response is? And Teresa doesn't really have an answer for it. No. And you know what? Teresa grabs that dress and she grabs the jewelry and she's like, you know what? I'm going to take this stuff and drop it all off now. And when he's like, you can't, we have school. And Teresa's like, oh, I'll just miss study hall. <laughs> and so she heads off to the Crane Mansion. Mm-hmm. And when she gets there, and when she gets there, she walks into the scene where Julian, Gwen, and Ethan are talking downstairs about how Julian thinks Ethan and Gwen should have an open relationship. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know what she hears. I don't yeah. know. Because she, she wants, and I was a little bit confused about she the look on her face. She's like almost in tears, and I she, don't know why. And I see the note that I wrote is that Teresa walks in and seems to be shocked that Ethan's girlfriend is there. I, the only reason she would be upset is 
to see Gwen. Like, yeah. that's the only thing. Because the whole reason for her to go there is to see Ethan. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think she's just upset that Gwen is there, but Gwen is always there. And so she said, she walks in, she sees them. Julian says, look who it is. And they turn around and look at her. And then she looks like a deer in the headlights, but she also looks like she's about to cry or throw up. I'm mm. not sure. She looks very upset. Pilar happens to see her, grabs her very quickly, pulls her, and is like, what the fuck are you doing here? My poor, deluded, stubborn Teresa. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, Pilar, like, pulls her out of there pretty fast. She's like, what is happening? What have you done? Why what? are you here? Why are you here? And so Teresa's like, oh, I just came to bring back this dress and the jewelry from last night. And Pilar does something stupid. She's like, okay, I'll take the dress and put it back into... Um, Ethan's sister's room and you take the jewelry and put it back into Mrs. Crane's jewelry box. But why doesn't Pilar just take both and send Teresa on her way? I, I don't know. It would have made more sense, except it wouldn't get us to the next scene, which is Gwen kind of storming off because she's upset. Ethan and Julian still talking downstairs and Ethan saying, you know what? You really made Gwen feel terrible. Congratulations on being an asshole. And Teresa is alone in Ivy's room, dropping off the jewelry, picks up a photo of Ethan, starts hugging it to her heart, and this is the opportunity for Gwen to sneak away and observe what Teresa is doing. She happens to actually walk in. Somebody, well, it was bound to happen. She walks in on Teresa being a psycho and, you know, holding a picture of Ethan to her chest, cuddling it, cradling it smiling and rocking back and forth and she's like i knew it i knew it all along i knew it so that's so, where we are with them i think we're about to see another side of gwen oh girl i think when hotchkiss is about to go off the rails i don't know i don't thinks. i don't remember when his her mom shows up but her mom shows up at one point and that bitch is a real piece of work well, Gwen has already dropped like hints about her parents and they sound awful. So I can't wait to really get to see them in, in the Re flesh. Rebecca Hotchkiss is something else oh, for boy. real. Okay. So who should we talk about next? Where should we go? What else happened in the show? Oh, I guess we need to talk about the Bennett. I think we should go to school and then to the Bennett. Yes. All right. Let's go to school and then go to the Bennett house. Okay. What's going on at school? the kids are at school uh, and Kay has a fantasy and it's fucking awful. They're always awful, but this one was crazy. So she's in the love nest with Miguel. They're sitting in her bed and Miguel says, man, it's really hot in here. And Kay says, oh, you should take off your shirt. And he's like, okay. And then she reaches to her, okay. bed she reaches to her bedside table and there's a glass of ice and she pulls off an ice cube and says, maybe this will help. And <laughs> rubs it on his shoulder. Cool and then they off. make out. It's, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know the words. Oh, and she's like, yeah, they start to, before they make out, she's like, what about charity? And he says, charity who? And, and I, then they make out. And then they make out. And I said while we were watching it, I was like, why does she always involve Charity into her fucking fantasy? She could have left Charity out of it. Completely. Charity, Charity is part of her fantasy. Like, Miguel disliking Charity turns Kay on. <laughs> <laughs> this girl is fucked up. Dude, she's a mess. 
Yeah. Oh, she's such a hot mess. Well, she snaps out of that god-awful fantasy. Thank goodness. I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> and we see that Miguel is on the payphone at school calling the hospital to check on, Char- on Charity Standish. He says it very clearly. He says it like three times. Charity Standish. That's what snaps Kay out of her yeah, fantasy. Because he's not saying Charity who. He knows her whole name. Mm. Charity Elizabeth Standish. I don't know what her name is. It probably is Elizabeth. It's always Elizabeth. I don't know what her name is. Charity Ann Standish. I don't know. It's probably like Charity Chastity Standish. (laughs) (laughs) Charity Prudence Standish. Yeah, there it is. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head that time. Um, So he has called the, the hospital and he's going, what? Excuse me? Okay, thanks. He hangs up. And he tells the girls that Charity's been released from the hospital. And Kay then pulls Simone aside and is like, this is great. I bet they sent Charity to an asylum. (laughs) And she's like, she must be crazy, you know? Thank goodness she's gone. Yeah. And Miguel catches Kay saying "Um, she's glad Charity's gone. Finally, Miguel overhears something. Yeah. It's the first time. He goes, you're glad that Charity's gone? He seemed mad. Yeah, I believed yeah. it. Yeah. I believed it. It made my heart sink yeah. a little bit. I was like, oh. I was like, oh my God, Miguel. Something, something's going to happen. Shit. But no. He's about to snap. But no, he's an idiot. She covers by saying, I'm just glad she's getting the help she needs. <laughs> I know that. That's purely, purely speculation. Yeah, completely. She just is glad that Charity's gone and is jumping to a conclusion. Yeah. You know, that's all, that's all this is. She also says, you know, we should send her some flowers. <laughs> where? You don't know where she is. Bitch, she's in your house. She's going to move into that room that you set up probably. So let's go to the Bennett home. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the Bennett home. What's going on over there? Okay. So we've left the Bennett home where Sam caught Tabitha in their house. And then uh, Grace and Charity enter the kitchen, and Charity looks at Tabitha and says, I remember you. You're so familiar. I've seen you somewhere, but you were dressed differently. And Tabitha is trying to hide her face. She kind of is playing with some curls, and then she grabs a glass of water. Like, she's trying to disguise herself (laughs) as best she can. And then Grace inadvertently kind of saves the day for Tabitha. She's like, oh, well, you know, Tabitha has an eccentric wardrobe. (laughs) <laughs> and then Sam's like, you know, she's has such an unusual wardrobe. Yeah. Sometimes I don't even recognize her. And Tabitha says, yeah, I dress real wacky. <laughs> and Sam's like, speaking of wardrobe, what is going on with these gloves? Because remember, she has these like cross burns on the palms of her hands. And so she's hiding them by wearing a pair of gloves that she's cut the fingers off of. And she explains that away as oh it's part of my new fashion sense and it's just ridiculous yeah and i took very sparse notes here <laughs> so how do we get to grace's fire flashback okay that's my note that i have next this has been the my favorite part of this entire episode me too charity's worried about her life because she can't remember shit you know and this is part of the thing with Tabitha. she's like oh i thought maybe i remembered you but i guess i don't what what am I, how am I going to live my life like this? And Grace says, don't worry. I'm able to have hope. I've had a wonderful life with, with beautiful people um, and a, a great life despite my amnesia. I don't remember everything for 20 years and maybe that's good. I don't remember the fire that almost killed me. And then we get some fire flashbacks. Yeah. We get Grace's fire. Or was it Tabitha? It was Tabitha's. It was Tabitha's, it was Tabitha's memory. Because yeah, Grace, Grace doesn't remember the fire. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was Tabitha's memory. And Tabitha's just walking down this hallway and she sees apartment number 25. She goes through the door. She like it was doesn't awful. open it. She goes, what do you call that? Phantom? She becomes a phantom and goes through <laughs> the door. She walks through the wall, basically. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And then she does her villain thing, like, you can't live. I I have to kill you. And you know You and your sister will destroy everything that I hold dear. Yeah, and Grace is asleep. And then she says a very long enchantment. Oh my god. But the end of it was fire come through me. Fire be set free. And then she starts to just like throw fire around the room through her hands. Two observations. One, this is my favorite like magical effect yet. Tabitha rocking through the wall and like throwing fireballs and like igniting things on flame. It's like, okay, FX team. Like this is, this is magic. Yep. This is some evil magic. That's finally. All right. Observation number two. What is going on with these spells? Like (laughs) these are some of the worst spells I've ever had because another part of the spell she said was help me rid the world tonight of Grace's goodness and her light. (laughs) <laughs> like what what the fuck is this these know. are terrible it was so long too. As a, it was so long it was like a, a it was like a poem as a a, a a fan and avid reader of nerd shit and lots of like magic shit and spells and songs like i i read a lot of fantasy this is terrible yeah like the writing of these spells is just bad it's yeah. just bad it's well most of the writing on the show is bad. It's just extra bad when it rhymes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very Dr. Seuss. <laughs> but Dr. Seuss is better. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but the magic was great. That yeah. was cool to see. Um, and then she, she like sets everything on fire and then she sits her ass down to watch. <laughs> <laughs> she sits down in, in an armchair and watches and cackles. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I can't believe she isn't waking Grace up with these... These peals of laughter. She cackles wildly. Mm. And then she finally just disappears. And Grace wakes up. And she's like, Faith! Faith! Why is she yelling for Faith? Does Faith live there? I don't know. They're in an apartment. It looks like a... like A, uh, a studio, A studio, though. yeah. It yeah. doesn't look like... I don't know. Maybe it's like a telepathic connection. Because when are we going to find out what happened between the two of them? We'll find out. What happened... What separated them? Because I thought it was the fire but i I don't think it was the fire maybe it was something before because when we first learned about grace's amnesia there was a flashback that she had where she was like running through the woods and i thought that was related to the fire but maybe but it's not because the next flashback we have is from sam's perspective and he walks in and well remember that wasn't grace running through the woods that was faith running through the woods screaming grace's name we thought it was faith because oh. we didn't know she or we thought it was grace because we didn't know she had a twin at the time and we were confused as to who the fuck this woman oh, was oh yeah so yeah maybe, and, and grace could feel that fear so maybe grace was caught that's a that's thank you because i hadn't put that together yet in my head i still thought it was grace okay so maybe grace wakes up with this fire going on and she's like communicating to Faith, but instead of doing it as, as a voiceover, they just do it out loud, I guess. And so maybe then she passes out from like smoke inhalation and Faith is running to get to her. Maybe. Maybe. I don't, I have no clue. I don't know. 
Yeah. But we get a, we immediately following this flashback, we get a flashback from Sam's perspective and that is him coming in to save the day. Yeah. He kicks in the door. He picks her up and he whisks her away. Yeah. And she's passed out on the bed. So she must have, it must be smoke inhalation. Yeah. Because she was awake screaming for Faith. Which, girl, get up and leave. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> Sam walked right in. Get up and leave. He had a path right to her. She, literally, she, it wasn't like she was in the basement of a house. or She was in a studio apartment. That she How in. easy would it be for us to get out of the front door from here? Yeah. And, like, uh, there's obviously the headboard against the wall. Uh, and then... One side of the bed and the foot of the bed had fire around it, but there was a clear escape route. She was eight feet from the door. She was eight feet from the door, and one side of the bed was not engulfed in flames. Had no fire. Get off on that side of the bed and go to the door. And go to the door. And even if it was in flames, jump through them and go through the door. Drop, drop, and drop. Stop, Stop, drop, drop and roll. roll. Shit, I forgot what. But don't stop, drop, and roll. Just get out. Yeah, just leave. Just get out. It's like I would jump over. I would try to get through. I would run through fire to get to that door if I if I thought it was no fire on the other side. You also have like a springy bed. Like you can jump, jump over, drop and roll yep. if you do catch fire. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it was, whatever. It was again, stupid. It was, yeah. It was, it was just a way for for us to see that Sam saved, truly saved the day. He's it, like, we're just letting men come in and really yeah. save these damsels in distress. It was another excuse to put Sam in that fucking wig. Oh, that horrible wig. They need to go back to the first one. The first one was so bad, too. The first just one was terrible, but this hair. second one is Ted Bundy-ish. It's bad. <laughs> I feel like the first one was more Ted Bundy, but I, I, I get he doesn't, yeah. Mm-mm. He doesn't look trustworthy in this wig. No. So they both have these fire flashbacks. Fire back. And then um, the kids come in. Yeah, they storm in. And so we I was really confused about the timeline on this day. Because they come into the kitchen after having been at school. But Teresa has, and Whitney haven't even made it to school yet. So then I was like, wait, what time of the day is it? And then I thought, well, maybe they went home because they found out Charity was out of the hospital. Or maybe they have an open lunch and they're allowed to leave at lunchtime. I don't think it was even lunchtime yet. It's still the morning. They they had just brought Charity home. You know, she hadn't even sat down. Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. And can children just excuse themselves from school? You can just leave? A group, a pack of children can just escape a school without anybody noticing? Maybe it's a study hall thing, and like, because I know some schools where if like seniors had a study hall, they could leave. But they're not okay. seniors. I don't. Know. I don't know. Anyway, you know they're treating these high schoolers like they're in college. Well, the kids come in to find Charity in their kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them. It's Miguel, Simone, Kay, and Jessica all together. Mm. A pack of children come <laughs> in, and Charity is there. And my very next note says. Laura, please take it from here. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The kids come in the kitchen and Charity is standing face to face with Miguel. And she says, I want to thank you for saving my life. And he is like amazed at this turn of events and reaches out to take her hand. And she reactively, instinctually flinches. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I feel this way. I... 
like, and she reaches out her hand to, to shake his hand and like try to make amends, and she just can't bring herself to touch this person. Mm-hmm. So and dumb. I know, I know you don't like the storyline, but you got to go with it because this is what's been established. I, I have, to, I know, I got to go with it. <laughs> I don't have to like it though, and I don't. Okay, you've made it known. I don't. I don't like it. It's so. Stu- <laughs> it's just so stupid, and not yeah. even just the tape. Just like this man has saved your life multiple times now. Like. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he hasn't done anything. Okay, fine, whatever. And and it's just, it's part of it is the writing, and part of it is the acting, part of it. it, There's a lot of little things that lead me to be aggravated by this. And part part of it is just the way Charity delivers it. Is it because when Charity says anything, she speaks in both a breathy voice and yet with vocal fry? It's like a baby voice. She's like, Miguel. She talks like this all the time. Yes, I hate her voice. It's both breathy like a child, but also grumbly and gravelly because of all the vocal fry. Yeah. It, because I, it's like she just doesn't have the energy to even speak. Ugh, God, I hate her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again. Her voice is so irritating. <laughs> it is. That's a, that is also part of it. Her voice is utterly irritating. Like, girl. I'm going to start talking like this. No, you are not. I'm going to punch you in the face. And maybe our listenership will continue to increase. It won't. Everybody <laughs> will stop listening, including me. I won't listen to it anymore. Oh, God. It's a very annoying it's way of speaking. Aggravating. So go on, Laura. What else is happening? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, Grace turns to Kay at, this, at the same time that this stuff is happening with Charity and Miguel and thanks her evil daughter. <laughs> Kay, thank you for doing everything that you've done. You are the one who saved, uh, you are the one who saved charity just the way that Sam saved me. And look at how great our lives turned out. You are, <laughs> you're the hero of this story. You're the real hero here. And Jessica, yeah. And Jessica comes up and is like, yes, Kay, you're the real hero. Now charity can have a great life living out in our house. And who knows what will happen with Miguel. And then Simone comes up and is like, Come on, Kay. Like, pull it together, sister. <laughs> and Kay just loses her shit and storms out. She literally is like, I can't take this anymore. And then she storm- storms up the stairs. And Sam's like, what's with her? <laughs> <laughs> Sam. So she storms up the stairs. But then we cut to Kay outside. And Simone comes outside to comfort her. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch the last five minutes of this? <laughs> I was trying. I really was. <laughs> all right. Got, all but right. You know what? That The kitchen scene got so convoluted. There was like so many people crossing the kitchen to talk to Kay. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> well, now you know. Yeah, now I know. So <laughs> Simone goes out and comforts her. To, to talk to Kay. But little do they know that Timmy and Tabitha are in their favorite hiding place. Oh, yeah. I did hear, I did hear this. I did see all this. All right. Yeah. There you go. You want, you want to take it from here? So, yeah. Um, Kay's like, I gotta find, I gotta figure out a way to get rid of Charity, basically. Mm-hmm. And Timmy and Tabitha are in the bushes, hiding behind the bushes, and she's like, I knew I liked that girl. <laughs> she's like, she's the I perfect think, ally. Yeah, she says, I think I just found my ally. And Timmy's like, okay. So she's recruited. Well, she's, she's gonna she's get gonna recruited. Gonna be recruited. And Kay's final words that make Tabitha smile with glee are, How am I gonna get Miguel? How am I going to get rid of Charity? This girl is evil. This girl is evil. 
This girl is evil. This girl is evil. She's evil. That's this it, yes? She's evil. That's it, right? Uh-huh. All right. So that's it for the first half of this episode. And we'll be back with in a more. flash. We'll be back in a flash. We got food coming. We've got food coming. We just found out that President Trump paid $750 in taxes which, last year. Which is less than I paid for my computer. It's less than I paid for rent. It's less then I used to spend on gas in a year. Yeah. So, you know, there's some bullshit going on. It's less than I spend on my Metro card in a year, I think. Probably not. Mm, No, actually, actually, yes, it is. Because I spend basically $127 a month on my Metro card. Times 12. Yeah, in a year. Yeah, that's more than $750. It's less than I spend on my Metro card in a year. Oh, I see. Okay, you got me thinking I'm crazy. No, I'm right. No, no, you're right. No, I I'm just, right. I just, in my head. He spent less in taxes around. than I do on my Metro card yes, in a you're year. Correct. For sure. 100% correct. Yeah. And uh, it's bullshit. I spent, I paid thousands of dollars in taxes just last year, just in federal taxes. As did I. Thousands yeah. of dollars. Yes, same. They take so much money. I, I pay. And I still don't have Medicare for all. Yes. Where's my health care? Yeah. Thank you. I uh, wrote a check to the federal government because of all the 1099s from doing gigs for $4,000 on top of what already was taken out of my W-2s last Crazy. year. Last year alone. Right. It's insane. Yeah. And, I'm and, well he paid below, and, I'm, and let me say this. I'm well below the, below the poverty line and I still owe that much in taxes. But the president of the United States spent $750 in federal taxes. Seven. That's what he paid in total. $750. If you're not enraged and if you're not voting against this person who does not have your interest at heart, you are wrong. What a shocking number. A shocking number. I mean, there are people on fixed incomes, like senior citizens who pay more taxes than that. Everyone. We all pay more taxes than that. Everyone who pays tax Any, pays more taxes Anybody who pays just like our sales tax when we go to the store, we pay more tax than that. Yeah. That's just like over the course of a year. That's just... Okay, whatever. Let's talk about passion. This is some bullshit. Let me just say this. That's why Louise hates the cranes so much. Yep. Because guess what? They're paying in taxes every year. $750 fucking dollars and they're living on that mansion on the hill. If, the end. If that. All if I'm that, say. honestly. All right, let's do passions. Let's do passions. Episode 80. Holy shit. This was a great episode, too. This was a very this good was, episode. This was such a good episode. There was so many times where I was just like, dancing in my seat like ooh yeah doing like the happy wiggle doing the shimmy yeah <laughs> and uh so let's start at the crane mansion we must upstairs at the crane mansion where gwen has walked in on teresa looking longingly at that picture of ethan and holding it to her chest and rocking back and forth and gwen walks in and she says he's very handsome isn't he I have a very handsome fiance. Ooh. She insinuates that she and Ethan are engaged, and Teresa calls her bluff. Teresa's like, "Oh, engaged? Um, I thought. I mean, I know you expect to marry him. Ooh, okay, girl. These, these two are going toe to toe. And then they have a very tense exchange of like French phrases. Yes, I wrote they do some dumb French stuff. Yeah, so they have this exchange of French words and. Gwen says, 
fait accompli. It, she, they say fait accompli, but the, the phrase is fait accompli, which is like a fate, a, an accomplished fate, a fate okay. that is already decided. It's destiny, basically. It's destiny. It's already decided. Yeah. And, and then that's when, what's her name? Teresa says, oh, I also know French. And she says the French phrase for uh, marriage, marriage of convenience. convenience. <laughs> yeah. And because that's to to Gwen, it's like, this is destiny. But to Teresa, it's like, this is just a marriage of convenience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's already been decided by other people, not by fate. These two have decided they're going to sling insults at each other, but they're going to do it like as under the table as possible, like as on the sly as possible. And they both know what they're doing, but it starts to come to too much of a head. So they both kind of mutually decide to back down a little bit. Yeah. And Teresa uh, tells Gwen, I know exactly what Ethan feels about love. And Gwen says, excuse me. Yeah. Because Gwen says, yeah, our marriage would be good for business. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be. And it's not necessarily a marriage of convenience, but it would be convenient for our families. But Ethan would never marry someone that he doesn't love. So don't get it twisted. Our marriage will be all about love because he'd rather throw it all away than to marry someone he doesn't love. And that's when Teresa's like, yes, I know exactly how Ethan feels about love. Mm -hmm. And then Gwen kind of flips back and she's like, oh, really? What do you know about him? What do you know? What did he tell you? And I think Teresa takes this moment. She's like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna work Gwen a little bit. Oh. I'm going to work Gwen a lot bit. Yeah. And she's like, oh, well, last night at the ballet when I was on a date with this person, all he could talk about was just how wonderful you were. And he, he was, you were the only thing on his mind. Like she really spun the shit out of this conversation. She did. She says, she says, Ethan told me how much he loved you. And that's really, you know, he talked so much about how it's true love. Right. Mm-hmm. To which Gwen is thrilled over the moon. You can see yeah. it in her face. She's and, very relieved. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, I'm sure that bored you to tears to just listen to him talk about me all night long. And then uh, Teresa pulls out a knife, basically, and goes, (laughs) yeah, he did talk about you. But then he also told me not to let anyone or anything be an obstacle to my true love. (laughs) Nothing is going to stand in my way. Yeah. Ooh, girl. I said, Teresa is good. That's yeah. what I wrote in my... <laughs> Teresa's good. She's good at this. She's very good at this. Oh. Ooh. She's, she's, got, she's the right kind of lunatic to, to do this exactly perfectly. The lovable kind. The lovable kind. She's not K. She, oh, God. We'll get to that. Oh, boy. We will get to K. But, yeah, Teresa is spinning this, and she definitely has the upper hand. Gwen can't keep up with her. No. Try as she might. She no. Gwen, who I guess is a businesswoman. I don't know what she we does. Really they keep talking does. about her having to go to work. But she's a professional adult, cannot keep up with Teresa, who is essentially a high school dropout because she's just working at the crane mansion yeah, instead of she, going to class. Yeah, she did not go to school today at all. Yeah. She never left the mansion. Not once. The time in this episode was weird. Was I weird. didn't know what time of day it was. Hard to follow. Yeah. yeah. So... 
Let's go downstairs. We must. Let's go downstairs and see. We have to talk about Julian and Ethan. What Julian and Ethan are talking about. And I wrote, my first note just says, Julian and Ethan argue about basic decency. Because that's really what it was. Mm -hmm. Julian was being really disgusting. And Ethan was just saying, it it wasn't even like he was being this stand-up guy. He was just saying basic, decent things. Like, no, I don't lust after this girl yeah yes i love my girlfriend and no i don't want to cheat on her yeah. please stop insinuating that i should fuck other women yeah because you think it would be fun for me to do that and julian just keeps pressing and keeps pressing and he he keeps pressing ethan to tell him he's like just tell me there was at least one moment when you fantasized about taking Teresa to bed and he's like ethan's like why are you so obsessed with this and then Julian says something kind of telling, which I don't know if they meant this or not. Yeah. But he says, well, it will tell me that you have at least some of my blood running through your veins instead of just your mother's ice water. I caught I, that too. I think I think Julian has his suspicions about Ethan's paternity. I would 100% agree. I think that's part of the reason that he's pushing this narrative onto him because he he thinks that it will confirm that he is actually Ethan's biological father. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I caught that line as well. The whole thing, however, was super icky and just really nasty. It was and disgusting. I can't. Ethan, I couldn't write it down. I yeah. can't repeat it. I, I wrote, it's super icky. I hate this. Ethan tells Julian he insists on marrying Gwen. Julian is pleased with this news. And uh, then Julian is like, oh, well, you're going to have to mend the fence. And Ethan's like, you were the one who, like, busted through it. Like, what do you mean I have yeah. to mend the fence? You Julian, fucked it all up. Julian pretends that he was just joking with Ethan the entire time. It's interesting because he kind of backtracks. He's like, I was just joking with you. No, you weren't. Of course I'm in favor of you marrying Gwen. It'll be great for the family. And the fact that you love her will definitely make it easier for you. Um, Except later on, he does it again. He- <laughs> and we and we also know his track record. So yeah. we we know. And if Ethan wasn't so daft, he would know. It doesn't take a genius to figure out there's like nothing but acidity between Ivy and Julian. Yeah. So then Julian tells him what? Julian learns that Gwen is also suspicious of Ethan and Teresa. Mm-hmm. That's what comes out in this conversation. And so Julian's like, you know, you need to calm her down. You need to remind her that you are in love with her. You need to make her feel special. Ivy and I are going to be gone tonight. You'll have the whole place to yourself. Have a romantic dinner. Light the fire. Put some candles out. Have some champagne. Like, woo your girl back and ease her mind. And Ethan's like, you know what? That's a great idea. I'm going to do exactly that. Sure, father. Okay. Yeah. Okay, father. So then Ethan goes upstairs. And he walks in on Teresa and Gwen's little conversation. He comes in and Gwen says, oh, we were just talking about you, honey. And we were talking about what a romantic you are. (laughs) And then she makes out with him in front of Teresa. Mm -hmm. Trying to uh, stake her claim. Yeah. But then she says she has to go make a phone call to her parents because she has they have like some kind of dinner tonight and so she has to go out right yeah, there's supposed to be a business meeting that she has with her folks tonight yeah so then ethan is talking to Teresa, and he says why were you and gwen talking about me and what does she say to him i 
the next thing I wrote down is that he then follows up with a question about the guy she has a crush on. Yeah. Like, he starts asking about himself, and then, as if he already knows, he doesn't wait for her to answer and immediately asks, oh, and what about that guy that you have a crush on? That man that you're in love with. What's going on with How's that? Thing, how are things going with with that? And literally, nothing new has ha- could have possibly happened between last night and, to, yeah. and this morning, yeah. right? Like, what are you talking about, Ethan? He just wants to talk to her. Yeah. He loves her. Yeah. And so she tells him, someday he'll know just how much I love him. And he says, well, I hope it happens soon. Yeah. She says she's making progress. <laughs> she says she thinks she's making progress. I think you are, too. So then he asks her, Teresa, could you put together a romantic dinner for two tonight? Could you arrange that? And she makes the grand leap to he wants her to arrange a romantic dinner for the two of them tonight. And here's the thing. How romantic is it for a man to tell you to make a romantic dinner for him? Sounds like a Tuesday night. Not very romantic. <laughs> like, oh, baby, I want to I wanna do something special for you. Can you put together a romantic dinner for us, please? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> what? So, so the fact that she makes the leap that he wants them to have a romantic dinner together is ridiculous because that that's not romantic. Like, I would be offended. Yeah, right. Yes. 100%. I want to do something really special for you. So I want you to prepare everything. So I want you to do all of the work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's obviously not She's unwell, though. We know she's not well. She's, she's unwell? A, she's a lovable lunatic. She's unwell. I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm just, just a little, little unwell. I know. <laughs> right now you can't, can't tell. tell. We certainly can't tell. Oh. Ethan can't tell. No. We can't can. tell shit. Oh, poor Teresa. I love her. She's such <laughs> a nutcase. Oh, so she, so Ethan leaves to go check on Gwen. And... It, Teresa immediately calls Whitney's like, Whitney, it's happening. He's asked me to have dinner with him tonight. I need you to bring my new dress that I bought. Can I please borrow your earrings? It's going to be amazing. It's real. I'm going to marry Ethan Crane. Oh, my God. And then out in the hallway, while Teresa's on the phone with Whitney, Ethan uh, encounters Gwen, and Gwen says, guess what? My uh my family, I don't have to do that thing with my family tonight. And he's like, I know, I arranged that. And she's like, oh, you arranged that? And he's like, yes, I want to have a romantic night with you tonight. <sighs> of course he does. She's his girlfriend. And he loves her. And he's been taking it from every angle about the ballet with Teresa. Yeah. And he needs to repair some damage. Yeah. And it's not a bad idea. It's not a, it's it's not not a, a bad, bad idea. idea. It's not a bad idea. And then the next thing we see, that, but again, the time in this was weird. It's weird because they they string some things out for forever. And then some things they just like take zero time with whatsoever. And the transitions are a little awkward. Because the very next thing we see is Teresa setting up their romantic dinner in the living room. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, she on their one set piece for the crane mansion yeah yeah yeah. in the living room and i'm like wait a minute it was the morning time and now it's the evening and now it's the evening and now it's time for dinner i was like she's already setting up for dinner and nothing else happened yeah during the day yeah so anyway well whitney must have come by and dropped off the stuff yeah we just didn't they just didn't they didn't show us they didn't show anything yeah stupid (sighs) Anyway, so she's setting up for their 
um, dinner, and then Julian and Ethan come in in their tuxes. And we get more Julian being a creep. Yeah, he's being really gross. This time, he comes at it from another angle, though. He's like, he, I think he, instead of going more for, like, the lust side of things, he he's talking about how beautiful she is. Yeah. So it's it's he's trying to be less gross about it. Yeah. But it's still gross because she's a teenager. Yeah, and Teresa goes upstairs to, like, change for her date. Unbeknownst to oh, these cranes. No. She goes upstairs to like change. And then, yeah, Julian proceeds to talk to Ethan about, you're telling me you don't see how beautiful she is and her her eyes They're are enchanting. Bewitching. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you honestly tell me that you can look into her eyes and not be affected by them? The next time you're alone with her, take a good long look in those eyes. Yeah. He, yeah, he keeps pressing Ethan on this issue about his attraction to her. And Ethan has always talked about Teresa's mm-hmm. eyes. When she was in disguise. He thinks she's beautiful. It, when she was in disguise, those eyes. I know them from somewhere. She had that fucking chicken mask on. Yeah. And that, and, and, it remi- and her eyes reminded him of that fucking poem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She walks in beauty. Yeah. She's a fucking chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's a fucking chicken. She yeah. walks in the barnyard. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. So, <laughs> so we already know how Ethan really feels about her eyes. Yeah. And so then Julian leaves. He's Because Ethan's like, isn't mother waiting for you in the car? Like, <laughs> can't you get please out leave? And so Julian leaves. And then Teresa comes back in while Ethan is like fiddling with the uh, champagne bottle. Yeah, so his back is turned to her. And he's like trying to unwrap the thing and get the cork open. And this was like, my favorite. She's like, Ethan, is everything okay? Is it, is this what you want? Is this really what you want? He's like, yeah, this is fine. And she walks over and she's like, it's just fine. And he kind of turns to her and he's like, yeah, it's exquisite. He's looking into her eyes and he's saying, your eyes are exquisite. He says, exquisite. Absolutely exquisite eyes. It's oh like, oh, God. Ethan, what? Oh, my God. And meanwhile, Gwen is upstairs, like, getting ready for the evening. She's getting her dress on, doing her makeup. And she's trying, so excited. She's excited and trying to convince herself, oh, I, I was reading into things. I, was like, I don't have to worry about Teresa. Yeah. Ethan is a good guy. Like, I've landed one of the good ones. Tonight's yeah. going to be really fun. She's like, he loves me. And what girl wouldn't be in love with him? Yeah. Look at him, you know. Yeah. Which, well. okay, girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, she comes down and happens upon this scene. But we don't get to see her come down yet. We didn't? No. I thought we did. The last thing that we saw the last thing we saw was the explicit thing. No, because I remember seeing her look seeing Teresa's dress and then seeing Gwen's dress and how she was dressed and like Gwen's face had dropped. Oh really? I'm pretty sure Gwen saw that. Oh shit. I didn't catch that. I'm pretty sure she saw that now because I remember thinking, look at look at me now look at you. Look at me, now look at you. That's a, that's a K-pop song. But yeah, she. I remember thinking that in my head. Because I would if I was in Gwen's shoes and I was wearing like that dress that covers my entire body. And then I look and see Ter- Teresa's gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful Venus of a woman oh in her like slinky black dress. And they're she both wearing great. black dresses. But Teresa looks like 
a goddess. And Gwen looks great. Don't get me wrong, but she she looks like somebody's wife. Well, they, they well obviously the costumers also want Teresa to look as beautiful as possible, and they want Gwen to just look nice. Yeah, they want it to be an, a clear decision of like who is more beautiful. But they've hired two beautiful actresses, so they have to do you know they have to work the costume, to make Gwen yeah. more dowdy. Well, and I also think they're trying to make. Teresa look more tempting, right? Mm-hmm. There's temptation here. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, and, and I mean, I think Teresa's trying to make herself look tempting. Of course <laughs> you know? she is. So, yeah. So, shit's gonna go down to the Crane Mansion oh, it's so in episode good. 81. Oh, it's so good. I'm so excited. Okay. So, now we gotta go to the Bennett house. The only other place we really need to spend time at. Yep, the Bennett house. Because the a Bennett lot happens. happens. Oh. Kay's flipping out in the backyard. She's out there with Simone. She's freaking out about the fact that Charity is back in their lives. And it seems to be like it's, you know, a a never-ending problem. And uh, so Simone is trying to calm Kay down, I guess, and points out that it's an amazing coincidence that both Charity and your mother survived fires and then lost their memories. (laughs) Like, is she trying to get Kay to be empathetic? To the situation, is she trying to calm her down? Like, is she just is she just I think musing? She's, yeah, I think she's just making the connection. Mm, you know yeah. that all of us, I feel like anybody should make. Like, that's fucking weird. Yeah, it's weird. And honestly, I think this is this begins the slow, the slow drudge towards them all understanding, like that there's magic in this world mm-hmm. and there's e- forces of evil and good. But it really is a slow build up to the point where. They're all like, oh, this is real, you know? So I think just when they, once, but once they start making those connections, they don't stop. Yeah. You know? It's just interesting. Simone, I love that it's Simone. So. She's, uh, she's observant. She's smart. And she's smart. And she's smart because Kay has already, always kind of pushed her to the side. So Simone is used to being an observer, used to being a bit of an outsider and used to just watching what's going on around her. So yeah. I, I kind of love that she's like one of the first people to start putting things together. Simone's no dum-dum. Remember, she was the one that put together that Faith and Grace were sisters. She was like the first person. Yeah. yeah. She was the person that put it all, put finally put it all together. Mm-hmm. And even, I mean, she was like, what if? But she was right. But she was right. Yeah. yeah. So Kay is in the backyard and she's holding out hope that Charity's going to go live in an asylum. Yeah, she's like, my only hope now is that my parents will send her to an asylum um, because she's crazy. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what she thinks. She Does she think everybody's as horrible as she is? I don't know. Because I don't know. How awful would that be of Grace and Sam to do? To just send their or, orphaned, orphaned niece. niece to a mental institute? To an asylum? Yeah, after she hasn't... Before she's even shown any problems like that she can't live with them i could see if she seemed violent or like she needed constant care but she doesn't so what are you talking about yeah the hospital released her nobody would do that she has no family except for you yeah i mean jessica comes out and pops that dream bubble right quick and thank goodness she does (laughs) and jessica's like guess what Kay? (laughs) charity's gonna come live with us (laughs) permanently forever and she looks she looks at her sister goes you'll never have him now (laughs) (laughs) she has like a little moment these girls (laughs) oh lord and so then Kay 
is like, stop lying. You're this isn't you're not telling the truth. That can't be right. And but she is, she's right. So then Kay and Simone, Kay's like, come on, Simone, let's go up to my room and find something to seduce Miguel with. What? What do you have in your room? Dildos. <laughs> is that would that seduce you? <laughs> For me it would. <laughs> no, no. Somebody's just like, here's a dildo. <laughs> You like me? Do you like me now? So, How you like me now? You're so crazy. It might actually work. Just wave a dildo in their face. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Maybe she has turn-on foods hidden up there. <laughs> yeah. uh, turn-on foods and ants. <laughs> Look, I honestly think that Kay, it's just an excuse uh, to get away from it. She wants privacy. She came outside. People won't leave her alone. She wants to go up to a room where she can close and lock a door and be left alone. Yeah. I think that's really what's going on. Yeah. Then Tabitha and Timmy are in the bushes while all of this is happening. Yeah, Tabitha and Timmy basically spend today hiding in the hedge, listening in, and then going into the house to be gleeful about the fact that they're finding out important and useful information, and then going back the head, to the hedge to listen yeah, some more. Yeah, back and forth. Yeah, that's like their whole thing. And they talk about Halloween, and my phone, again, autocorrect, autocorrected talk to y'all. Huh. My phone autocorrects autocorrects talk to y'all all the fucking time. And I know I use y'all a lot, but that's ridiculous because I also use talk and it's a word. <laughs> I hate this. It's, I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry annoying. Because I also use talk. <laughs> I'm just annoyed. <laughs> so they talk about Halloween and how it's coming up and they got to get ready. Timmy's got to get his costume ready for Halloween but the most important thing that they say is that Tabitha says, oh, yes, Halloween. My powers very well may come back when the harvest moon is high. So Tabitha might be getting her powers back. Good. Yeah, thank God. Oh, yeah. I can do this for I definitely longer. need Tabitha with magic mm-hmm. and not Tabitha without magic. Tabitha Sands magic is sad. <laughs> it's Tabitha with magic and without magic. She doesn't ever get, like... She, her plan is always foiled. Yeah. But it's more interesting when she can, like, conjure up shit and cast spells. Yeah. Or, like, a little floating head that comes through the computer screen. Oof. Like, look, there's some crazy shit that goes down, and I'm into it. That's true. So I think we should go to the Bennett house, to the kitchen, mm-hmm. where everyone is basically just being nice to Charity. That's the whole thing. Grace welcomes her to the family and says, Kay and Jessica will be like your sisters, uh, we're going to treat you like our own and we, we love you. And we're so glad that you're going to be living with us now. Like welcome. And, all right. And Miguel is like, yeah, you know, when we hung out a few times, I showed you around harmony and you really like the town. Like, I think you're going to fit in really well. I think you're going to make friends and feel like this is home. Um, and, and now we never have to be apart. He like, can't help himself. He kind of slips it in. Yeah. And, Charity's obviously uncomfortable with that. And so I think Sam sees what's going on. And so he suggests that they go on a walk. He's like, you know what, Jessica, Miguel, that's that's great that, that you've shown Charity around. Maybe you should take her on a walk and kind of remind her of what the neighborhood is like. And yeah. We can get things ready here. Can we also talk about how good Sam looks in a turtleneck sweater? Look, that man looks good in a turtleneck. I wrote this note down too. We need to talk about how everyone looks so good in a turtleneck because Whitney was in her little social worker costume. It wasn't a costume. It was just what they put her in for the show. And she looked great. Sheridan 
in the last couple episodes with Luis, mm-hmm. she looked fucking fantastic. She looked great in her shirt She's wearing her like turtleneck. a turtleneck and a jacket and looks like a supermodel, yeah. even without hair. Like she's... Yeah, she was looking really she good. She was looking gorgeous. We didn't talk about it, but she was looking great. So good. Yeah. Sam looks like he is a boat model. Like he should just be out on the sea with like the wind whipping his hair and that turtleneck. Yeah, like a, a lighthouse magazine. <laughs> Lighthouse magazine. Yeah, he 100%. should be on the cover of Lighthouse magazine. He looks so. Oh, he looks so good in that turtleneck. Like he was sitting at the the table, and I was like, mm, I never, I never found a turtleneck so attractive before. I have a question. How can I see your muscles through, through your, your turtleneck? turtleneck? And it wasn't even a tight no. shirt. It was like a it was a, a, a well. It wasn't like fitted. It, it was, was a just, dad sweater. It was a dad sweater. Oh, he looks muscles. Oh, he looks good. How and he has he is aged. Well, that's a good looking man. This whole cast is so fucking beautiful. Ooh. I can't get over it. They're all so gorgeous. They're inhumanly beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I, I cannot, I, my little pea brain cannot understand it. He, all I know is he looks damn good in that fucking yes, turtle. He does. Agreed. Oh, so yeah, they go off for their walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, where are we? What happened? They, the kids go out for the walk and Sam and Grace take a moment to kind of just tell each other how much they love each other and how supportive they feel and how they're excited to go on this new adventure together. And mm. I'm, I'm there for you and you're there for me. and We're a great team. We're a team. And Sam leaves. Mm-hmm. And then Grace is like getting something out of the refrigerator. And then we hear the Tabitha music. <laughs> Yeah, it's and just like noise. And Tabitha sneaks up behind Grace and taps her on the shoulder. And of course, it terrifies Grace. She jumps really hard and she like turns around. She's like, oh, Tabitha. Who walks into a room where you see a person whose back is turned to you and is preoccupied and doesn't announce themselves? An evil witch. Okay. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. She, I mean, she set her whole apartment on fire. That's right. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about who Tabitha is as a person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She has said she had tried to kill her. She did kill her sister. You yeah. know, she tried to kill Charity. Yeah. She did kill that guy at the the gas station. By that far kind the of most person. gruesome death we've seen. She tried to bludgeon Charity to death. She tried to bludgeon Charity to death. She's she tried to injected her with some serum. She mm-hmm. tried to get her to fall to her death. She laid her across fear. train tracks. She tried to pull her in through the she tried to drown her, pull her in mm-hmm. through the sink. Yeah, no. So yeah, she'll sneak up behind you and tap you on the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Without yeah, saying anything. When you, when you say it like that, it doesn't seem like such a big offense. <laughs> so, yeah, she taps her on the shoulder and they have a little conversation. But the whole point of this conversation is that Tabitha convinces Grace that Charity needs her privacy and to basically give her own, her own room because Tabitha, unbeknownst to Kay, Tabitha is working behind the scenes to get Kay to the edge and then push her over exactly (laughs) exactly so she's she convinces grace to give charity Kay's room yep that's exactly what happens that's exactly that's not what was going to happen but that is what happens Mm -hmm. Ooh, so she does that and, and then she bounces she splits she goes back to the hedge yeah and so upstairs from her room window um, Kay can see that Miguel is out taking Charity for a walk with Jessica. But Jessica then like leans down and is like, oh guys, I have a rock in my shoe. You go on ahead. And Charity's like, oh no, 
we'll wait because she's afraid to be alone with Miguel. I'd rather wait for you to get the rock out of your shoe. (laughs) (laughs) She's the worst. And I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but one of my biggest pet peeves are grown women who speak like little girls. Like the Kardashians? I cannot stand it. I can't stand it. And Charity does a little bit of that. When they talk like this. But it's like higher than that. It's like this. It's I don't like, like when it. Women, like I'm 33, or no, I'm not 32, but I talk like this. I That's especially, like drives me crazy. I especially hate it when they don't talk like that to like other women, but they talk like that when men are around. Yes. Or they talk like that to their boyfriends. Yes. And just like, like it would just be me and you talking like this. Hey, Laura, how's it going? But if I was talking to a boy, I'd be like, Hey, oh my god, how Sam, you doing? Sam, so it's nice so cute. Oh, can you help me? <laughs> yeah, I get it. Oh, I have something in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> can you help me? Could you blow in my eye, sensually? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate it. Can't stand it. So this little baby girl voice drives me crazy. Charity employs it constantly. It's a potato chip down here. It's a potato chip. I'll throw a the potato later. chip. All right. <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah, Jessica leans down to get the rock out of her shoe, which is just a ploy to let exactly. Miguel and Charity be together yeah, alone. She's trying to so Tabitha is trying to push Kay over the edge uh, in one way, and Jessica's trying to push her over the edge for another reason, but in a similar way. She's trying to piss off Kay by making sure that Charity and Miguel get back together. And either way, we're gonna get the same result. Crazy Kay. Yeah, either way, we're gonna get the same result. Like I said, these people don't know what they are doing. Unlovable lunatic. They don't know what they're doing. Ooh, completely unlovable. Who could love her? Her mother? Not if she knew what she not if she knew knew. what what she was up to. Not if she knew. Not if she knew. All right. So Kay sees this scene of Miguel with Charity and sees that Jessica's trying to get them to be alone together. She's like, Jessica's making good, quick work. I better get down there. And so she runs downstairs and outside and manages to get them to come back. She's like, come on, Charity, let's set up your room and let's do all of this. And so they go back to the house. And Miguel is so dumb. He looks at Kay and says, wow, you're such a good friend, Kay. Could anyone ask for a better friend than Kay Bennett? Yeah. Yep. And it, it like pans to Simone's face of like, and she just <laughs> looks like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. So, after going on a walk for all of 15 seconds, the kids turn around and come back in the house. And, um, yeah, they start to move her in the room. Well, well, first, Kay has to learn the really bad news. They get back into the house. And then Grace breaks the news. Grace and Sam break the news to Kay that Charity's going to be living in her room. And again, these people know not what they do. (laughs) They are unleashing hell on themselves. (laughs) The gateway of hell. Because to be honest, the thing is, Kay deserves any and every bad thing that can happen to her Mm -hmm. at this point, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. However, knowing what I know, like, she's been awful and she didn't even have, like, a good reason to be terrible. And now you're giving her just a little bit of a good reason, like, Mm -hmm. to be, because to be honest, if I came home and somebody, like, gave my fucking bedroom away, I'd be pissed. Yeah. I'd be pissed about it. I would. But the thing is, is Charity's like, you know what? You just got your own room. Like, it's okay. I can live with Jessica. I don't want the fighting to get worse. And 
Jessica's like, no, I would love to live with Kay. Like, Jessica's pulling the strings mm-hmm. a little. And Grace is like, after a conversation with Tab, is like, no, Charity, you really, you deserve to have your own privacy so you can adjust at your own pace. It's not a problem. Like, they don't really give Kay, like, a way out. Like, she, mm. she can't demand that she wants her own space. No. So, so I do understand being angry about it, but I already mm. know she's going to go way beyond the scope of being reasonable. Way beyond. I mean, she's going to sell her soul to the devil. Yeah. She already said she would. Yeah. One, the minute she said that she would sell her soul to the devil, I was like, well, she's obviously going to. <laughs> yeah. Because we have that like, part. That's a actually, plot point. Yeah. It's actually, literally going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kay is going to sell her soul to the devil. Oh, God. I can't wait. Mm. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Now, Tabitha knows she's going to have herself a good ally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. For sure. Tabitha's gleeful about uh, her success. Um, And, like, the kids go upstairs to start move Charity in. And downstairs, Sam, that little light bulb starts to go off above Mm. Detective Sam's head. Mm -hmm. And he starts to think about exactly what Simone came to already, which is so weird that Charity and Grace... Both were caught in fires and lost their memory. Huh. But he can't quite put his finger on what he's thinking about. Yeah, and he says, you know, it's interesting what the fire chief of Castleton said, that it was a strange fire and it was burned hotter than any fire I'd ever seen before. And it reminded me of the other fire that I saved Grace from. So, yeah, they're going to start connecting dots. Yeah. That's for sure. I yeah. They're going to start connecting dots. Sam and Simone are going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. So let's finish this by talking about Tabitha. We got like a couple yeah, of things to say about it. Tabitha. Mm-hmm. So Tabitha goes home to find Timmy dressed as a little dog. <laughs> and he says he wanted to turn into a hound just like Tabitha did. Because maybe then he could scare Fluffy. But Fluffy has clearly kicked his ass. Yeah. He's got like stuffing hanging out of every inch of him. Yeah. Not not Timmy the doll, but the costume has been like beat to hell. Yeah. And then Tabitha kind of laughs and pets him and picks him up. But then she talks about, and this was the, this is the only reason I want to go over here because this was important. Mm-hmm. She says, no one has as much psychic energy as a young girl. Mm-hmm. And so having Kay on her side is going to be really good for her. Yeah. She says, this Halloween, we're going to have something to celebrate with Kay's help. She has an intense hatred for charity. So... Tabitha's making some plans. Mm-hmm. All right. That's it. That's it. That's the whole episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Do we say thank you enough? I don't think we do. We don't. So let's say it again. We don't say thank you enough. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Thanks we for really appreciate our it. little show. Yeah. And remember, you can always get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok at Passions Podcast, or you can send us an email, passionspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, check out the website, too. We've got our Passionista forum, so you can chat with each other, and you can spoil as much as you want, because I'm not really going to moderate that one like I do the Instagram, so mm-hmm. you can talk about whatever you you can talk about whatever your heart's desire is, yep. but be nice to each other, please. And you can also pick up some merch and support our podcast. Yes. All right, so that's it. Thank you so much again. We love you. You are my passion for love.